Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch down uh, we watch down a movie. <laughs> yes. I thought you were going to say Downton Abbey, and I'm like, no, we don't. No, no, not even I watch Downton anymore. Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week, we watched The Goonies, directed by Richard Donner and released in 1985. We've chosen this week's film because it's Katie's birthday and this is her favourite movie and the local cinema's Palace Electric very kindly had a screening just in time for Katie's birthday. So happy birthday, Katie. Thank you. And happy Goonies to us. Now, just a very basic plot summary of The Goonies for those of you who haven't seen it, you negligent people apparently, according to Katie, <laughs> is a group of kids embark on an adventure to find pirate treasure and to save their town. So essentially, we have this small town in Astoria. It's Astoria, called Astoria. Thank you. Astoria in uh, somewhere in the Pacific Northwest and a big, unpleasant country club wants to knock down all their houses and build a golf course. Yeah. And the, yeah, there's a little group of kids and they go end up finding a map for pirate treasure, which they think will save them. And so they go off in search of it. If you want a plot summary, you should listen to the song, So Long Astoria. That's got a pretty good plot summary in it. Who sang that? I can't remember. It's a song called So Long Astoria. It goes, So Long Astoria, I found a map to bury treasure. Something like that. Right. By um, some uh, very serious Goonies fan. Yeah. <laughs> What is it by? I know there's a band called the Fratellis too, but they didn't name themselves no. after the bad guys in this movie, well, apparently. No. Fratelli is the Italian word for brother. I know that. The Ataris. Ataris. Oh, yeah. cool. Cute. Yeah, yeah. I um, like the Fratellis. The band, I mean. Oh, I I actually don't think I've heard anything by them. Oh, um, I'll play, I'll but, play you some later. Yeah. So uh, I really, really love this movie, obviously. Um, I want to go through a little bit about the movie first. Yep. Uh, so what it is, it's the group of kids. It's got a whole bunch of big sort of child actor names from the 80s in it, like Sean Astin and Corey Feldman um, and Martha Plimpton. Uh, it's directed by Dick Donner, who also did Lethal Weapon. Mm. Um, and it's and it's also got um, Josh Brolin Josh in it, Brolin, who is big star famous. now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, yeah, it's basically these kids um, live on the goondocks, which is where their name comes from. And our hero, Mikey, and his brother, Brand, are mourning the fact that they're going to um, – their houses are going to be knocked down for this golf club. And the it's all being done by their nemesis, Troy's father. And so he comes to – it's basically the next day they're going to be knocked down. And they go up to the attic and Mike's dad runs a museum. So they go up to the attic and there's all this stuff in the attic that is comes from the museum and they find the map – um, which leads them to One-Eyed Willie's Buried Treasure. And uh, one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is this fantastic scene where basically Dick Donner, the director, told Sean Astin the story of One-Eyed Willie and then told him to tell it again on screen. So what you're seeing on screen is actually a kid who's been told a story retelling it. That's great. Um, and Instead this... of being just someone who's memorized their lines. Yeah. Very, very clever. And this is the thing, I think, that summarizes the Goonies best is that the reason I think that it captures so many people and it's so great is because this is a movie about kids that feels like it's about kids that age. Mm-hmm. They talk over each other and they fall over each other and they they act like children and this is how they did it. So they did things where they got the kids to tell the stories, the kids had a lot of agency and it's a whole story that's just, it's a kid's story. Mm. It's their story and it's the sort of thing that they love and I think that's 
probably the reason why it's so terrific. Mm. It feels the most like a real kids movie that I've ever anything I've ever seen. Mm. Um, yeah, it is a good kids movie. Um, slightly older kids, like don't yeah, take your toddlers. It's like tweens, like, sort of. The, these boys are around ten, I think. Um, they're all like ten to twelve, sort 10 of age. To twelve, and this is the age that there's no movies for because right. there's movies for like little kids that are really tame, mm. and there's a lot of stuff for teenagers that's all about romance and all of that sort of stuff but there's nothing for these kids who are this age who are in between the we like adventures and little kids stuff but we also are starting to be interested in teenage things right so that's right it's based around these four tween boys who are like yeah 11 or 12 years old and And then then of course he's got his older brother who's i think around 16 and the old there's two older girls who come along with them because they know the brother so you you've got this yeah bunch of like tween teen kids mm. and it, i think that it actually is a really interesting age because it's kind of the time where you can't you break start to break away from your parents a bit and i and i guess maybe life's a little different now but certainly when we were around between 10 and 12 is when you start doing things on your own with your friends mm. rather than going only where your parents tell you you can go or school and so i think that's it's it's great because it's like kids going off on their own solving their own problems yeah getting through things having to kind of deal with the upside and the downside that Mm. comes with having that little bit of freedom it's great and the other thing that i love about it is that every single one of these characters is like they feel like people that you could know they're just these really really fun characters i could be that kid yeah i know he's Uh, so much but also mikey is such a great little hero because he's i mean he's this total little gryffindor who's like i want adventures i'm gonna go out and do stuff and goes into things head first but he can't remember how to pronounce things and he doesn't sort of think things through properly and he's so inspirational all the time to everybody around him and he's sean astin is so wonderful in this movie i just adore him um and then you've got um Ki Kwan, Kwan, who's Jonathan Ki Kwan in this movie, who played Data, mm. who's also known to lots of people who are movie fans as uh, Short Round in Indiana Jones and the Temple of mm. Doom. He's a, he's a cute little character because he's a bit of an inventor, yeah. takes after his father. And so he's they've just kind of fallen into this adventure, like they're out in this place. They didn't actually take much with them other than their bikes, but... Um, short round, but Data is traveling with you know a backpack full of stuff yeah. that comes in and handy in certain places. His coat, shoes. yeah, everything's got all these little inventions are all over his person because that's just how he rolls. Yeah, um, you we missed the beginning of the movie because I made a stupid mistake, but there's a bit at the beginning of the movie as well where he does a zip line into the house, mm. into Mikey's house and stuff. And every time, the other thing I like about him is he has his own theme music. Yeah, it goes do 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 that bit. Oh, okay. That happens every time he does his little adventurous bit, where he, I mean, where he does his little. As every bits. week, I'm not going to notice the things like everyone has their own theme music the way you do. But cool, yeah. We did actually miss the beginning of the screening because we um misread our tickets. Whoops. Yeah. But I actually feel like I've seen this. This is now I think my third or fourth viewing, and I actually didn't feel like we missed out on too much missing that opening. I, um, I in fact last time I watched it, I can remember getting a little bit bored. In the opening sequence? I feel like maybe if you don't know the characters, it might be because it really establishes who they all are, that little oh. beginning bit. Because you see Andy doing cheerleading and Data inventing things and yeah, and all that sort of stuff right. and Mouth being a big mouth and Chunk telling lies and yeah. all that stuff. I probably but the would. other thing you see in the beginning is the awesome opening sequence where one of the Fratellis, Robert Darby, mm. <laughs> I can't remember the first name, there's yeah. Francis and something. The one who's not Joey Pantoliano. Yeah, yeah, the one who isn't Joey Pants. Um, he pretends to hang himself in prison. 
Yep. And then it says he has the little note that says, "Did you really think I would be so stupid that I'd kill myself, you schmuck?" <laughs> and then he escapes from prison. And so the Fratellis have a car chase. And yep. then through the car chase, you see all the characters. Yeah. And Chunk sees the car chase go by, which is why he knows later about the car and stuff. Right. Right. Um. And then they enter this like car race on the beach for some reason. <laughs> Because they just drive into it. And so it's typically over-the-top 80s opening thing. Right. But it's and, great. And, well, it's I mean, this is kind of – the talent behind this movie is pretty much everyone you've ever heard of who did amazing 80s movies as uh, Steven Spielberg and Chris Columbus. I think Lucasfilm is involved. Mm. Um, it's – yeah, it, and obviously Richard Donner, who's known from Superman and Lethal Weapon. It's the who's who of 80s film – well, a lot of them are still of film now, but they're the people who made some of the really cool stuff that you still love now, like Indiana Jones and things like that. And and it's um, it is kind of like a an Indiana Jones, if um young Indy from the beginning of the third film was the hero. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that I love about it is that even though it's got all these really, really big names behind it, it kind of feels like it's all been cobbled together. Mm. Like, apart from the beautiful sets, like the pirate ship at the end is a set. Yeah. Um, that sort of stuff. It's, I think that set still exists somewhere. I don't – I think they kept it. the ship somewhere. Yeah. But I'm not anyway. sure if the – I mean, the set doesn't, the rest of it. No. Um, and, they try, and they tried to keep all the kids away from the set. And there's this story that it's like, oh, they didn't see the set until they, you see them see right. it in the movie. But, like, half of them had snuck in to see it before that anyway. <laughs> Just like their characters. Exactly. But, yeah, um, it's an amazing set, that pirate ship in the cave. It's oh, yeah. Incredible. Yeah, beautiful. But, but it, you, you're right. It does feel a little bit cobbled together. Like – it's shot fairly naturalistically. There's mm. not, it's not really well lit or anything, but it's uh, deliberately. There's hand, it's handheld. There's close up. There's gritty. It's all very gritty. I get my one thing about this movie, and the thing that surprised me when I saw it for the first time is it's, the overwhelming idea I get is brown, <laughs> a lot of dirt and brown and like yeah. Their makeup for the day was apparently filling a sock with dirt and hitting them in the face with it. <laughs> wow. Yep. Um, yeah, so it seems that's that's my overwhelming thing. So I think I don't think it's pretty, but it's not but it, meant to be pretty. I know, but then it is pretty because it Well some of the They put uh, so much effort into all of the sets and stuff. Right. And then they sort of gritty it up. But there's other things in it too, like the you know, there's that grittiness, but also like because it they basically just the kids and they let the kids kind of be kids. Yeah. There's all these things like there's a scene where Sean Astin call, calls Josh Brolin Josh instead of the character name. It's one of my favorite bits. And then, but there's other things as well. Like there's there's a whole lot of continuity mistakes and bits they cut out of the movie that they reference later. Well, the octopus. The octopus. The yeah. octopus was most scary. And there's, and no, there's octopus no octopus scene. in the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that I I really do. I like what they've done. And I feel like that's a really good way to work with kids. Although I did find it, especially as someone who hasn't seen it as many times as you, I don't. I can't keep up with the lines a lot of the time because they're all speaking over the top of one another and like yelling and yeah, not yelling. And that's kind of. I mean, a lot of the lines aren't really the point. No, it's and it's realism. Like yeah. that's what it's like to hang out with a bunch of eleven-year-old boys. Like yeah, yeah, they're all kind of trying to get their ideas in at once. And, and yeah, and everybody wants to and be talking. And that's one of the reasons why it's so successful is because it feels like you real kids that you mm. could and they they swear every so often and they like real make kids. naughty jokes and but mm. they don't it, it, it never goes too far above that age yeah. level's head no and mikey really wants to kiss a girl but he's mm. not 
you know, it's it's not like the driving force of his life like it is for his older brother. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it really it's perfect for that age group. And then also mm. having the older brother there as like the teenager who's more worldly yeah. and more responsible and all of that sort of stuff. But he's an <laughs> idiot too, you know. Oh, he's such an idiot. Um, yeah. But it's perfect for this this age group. And, mm. and I just – I think – I always feel like it's just so um, clever in how – unclever it is mm. or like it's so clever in how easy it is and basic it is oh my you know favorite I mean? subject telling a simple story really well exactly yeah yeah they did it so cleverly to make it feel like these it, are just kids the, hanging you out can't you don't see the effort that goes into it yeah so these are all the reasons that i love this movie mm. so much yeah it's very clever it is and i i mean all the kids put in these really great performances one of the other things if you ever get a chance to see the DVD, is to watch the commentary. Mm. Because what they do is they get them all back together as 40-year-olds who, you know, some of them have seen the movie since and some of them really haven't. And they just put them all in a room together and go, tell the stories about when you made this, go. And it's exactly the same thing again, where they're like, it feels like a bunch of people telling stories about when they were kids making a movie. And it's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect for this movie. And they've got um, Dick Donner in there telling the story of what it was really like to work with them. And all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's it's the most fun listening to the commentary and, and finding out how they made it. And they never really ruin the magic of the movie either. Yeah. Because the magic of the movie is like a bunch of kids getting together. It feels like the bunch of kids got together again like 20, 30 years later. To... That's really sweet. I know. I love, I love it. I think yeah. it's it was made in about... It, it's, it's, it came it was out only in about 85, 1985. Yeah, no, it was only about 17 years later, actually, that the movie, that the commentary would have been done. So they because... would have been in their 30s. Yeah. It was around, it was around the time Sean Astin was in um, Lord of the Rings, wasn't it? It was exactly the time that Sean Astin yeah. was in Lord of the Rings because he was doing press and he had to leave halfway through oh. doing the commentary. Right, so, right. So and I remember when I bought it because I bought it when I was in Japan. So I have a Japanese copy, copy of The Goonies and then I met Sean Astin and I got him to sign it. Oh, I know. It was uh, very exciting very, for me. Very valuable. So you <laughs> were bragging before we went on air that you know so much about this movie, it's embarrassing. I do. Fun facts. Tell me some fun facts. Fun facts about this movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, part of One of the things that they did to make the movie was they sort of – they kind of gave the kids really sort of vague instructions for what to do. So they had these things where the, – one of the things that they say in the in the thing, in the commentary is, big eyes, kids, big eyes. So they had to act really surprised all the time. But they also fed them – bits of the script at different times. Yeah. Um, so they would feed them bits of the script just before it was shooting. So, so they, would they would know yeah. ahead. Yeah. So they would remember. Um, what else can I tell you about making the movie? Um, there's this bit where Key, Jonathan Key Kwan says, holy S-H-I-T. And it's because he's not allowed to swear on screen. <laughs> oh, right. And so they decided Is that to get around like, that. His parents wouldn't let him swear on screen. Yeah. So it's it's, funny. to get around that, they decided to spell it out because that wouldn't be like swearing. What else can I tell you about it? I told you the story about the the really famous story <laughs> that wasn't true about the the set, but a couple of them you can see their real reactions to the pirate ship. To the pirate right. ship because um, a couple of them didn't see it, Aww. sneak in and see it, and the others did. So mouth, yeah. Corey Feldman did. Mm, of um, course he did. Corey Feldman is is was in three of my favorite movies from the eighties. Yeah, this three consecutive years. Lost Boys. So this, and Stand then the me. next year was Stand by Me. Yep. And then the next year after that was Lost Boys, 1987, and then that's when he met Corey Haim and they became the Corys. Right. Hmm. 
What else can I tell you? Which about one it? of them is which one of them died? Was Corey Haim. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Corey Feldman kind of they both went through a lot of drug problems. Yeah, I knew that. And Corey Feldman kind of came out of it on the other end and he's a big fan of like meditation and a lot of new age stuff now, yeah. which apparently helped him get through his drug problems. Oh, that's and he cool. has a child as well. Nice. Um but Corey Haim never quite recovered from it, unfortunately, and he died fairly recently. They met on the Lost Boys is another one of my favorites. Mm. I love The Lost Boys. You, it has the same sort of naturalistic thing, but it also has vampires. Yeah, you just you just talked about um Stand by Me actually, and then and you reminded me too. of something from you said earlier in the podcast, which is that you don't see movies for that age group very yeah. much, and there were like two in two years starring the same guy. There was obviously a period where the people involved wanted to like think back to that time of childhood and uh, the only recent one I can think of is Super 8 which is of course very much based on this world of movies. Super 8 doesn't quite capture the same kind of feeling though. I love that movie but it's Mm. it's much more knowing yeah like much more savvy and it's also too clean. It's not quite got the same spirit of adventure in actually making the movie that this one has. Mm -hmm. Stand By Me is also a lot crisper and cleaner and but it's also harkening back to a different time so this mm-hmm. kind of suits the 80s whereas stand by me because it's set in the 60s is different yeah so these kids are i, I would assume the writer and, and director are harkening back to their own childhood but it's been set in the for them the present yeah which is different yeah you know, um you, yeah you really don't see a lot of like actual current day kids run around doing stuff yeah the other thing that this movie doesn't have unfortunately that stand by me does have is the kind of incredible performance that river phoenix gives um, um, he is just... No, none of the performances are incredible. I mean, everyone well, does everybody's a good job. Gr- I mean, it's a great, yeah. like, uh, it's a great... It's not... What's sh- the word? Ensemble. Ensemble. It's a great yeah. ensemble. There's no, routine. like, single show-off performance, though. That, no. That's what I mean. I um, haven't seen Stand By Me, so I can't <sighs> go into detail about that, but... You've got to see Stand By Me. Yeah. You like Will Wheaton. How I can you Will not Wheaton. see Stand By Me? I just never did. Um, this is the whole thing where I grew up without a VCR. We're going to watch that. We're going to watch that. Okay. Soon. Yeah, we do that. We'll pro- probably be next year now, given the amount of episodes we've got. <laughs> and it's really close to Christmas and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, no, we, we can watch that. We'll get it's onto it. It's a beautiful, beautiful mm. movie. So I've heard. Um, so I've heard. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a very different. I mean, it's a boy's own kind of adventure thing as yep. well, but it's a very different vibe to mm. this one. Um, but there's this bit at the end. Mm. But I now if I tell you, I'll spoil you. You don't want to spoil me. Okay. <laughs> but it's it's one of the saddest things ever in a movie, but not because of the movie itself. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's beautiful and River Phoenix is incredible in right. it. Right. But that, that this one's not like that. It's, this one is it really is like a bunch of kids. Well, this stuff. one is fun. And I was so happy yeah. to see that people brought their kids along to the screening. Yeah. To, like, introduce them to the Goonies for the first time because that makes me so happy. That was very sweet. I thought that was good. There were quite little kids too, probably five or six. Yeah, I well, I first saw it when I was little. I mean, it yeah. came out when I was two. You can easily take your little kids along to it too, especially if they're not, you know, like, Well, it depends sensitive. on how you feel about swearing, I suppose. Oh, but there's not a lot of, like... <laughs> I forget that people get bothered by swearing. I Like, I just literally cannot remember that that is a thing that you don't, you're not supposed to swear <laughs> in front of children. As this, we have a story about Katie took me babysitting one time and that happened. But, yeah, I, I forget about that. Yeah, no, if you don't really um, give a shit about swearing, <laughs> then you're, you're fine. Like, But I, I, I don't even notice the swearing in this. Like, it's there's, not, there's quite a bit, it's actually. fairly mild, isn't it? Um, yeah, it is. But <laughs> for kids, it's a lot of swearing. Yeah, right. I'm just. And the thing is that I, a lot I, of the times they just sort of say to the kids, react. And they react. And they swear. Right. It's like not a like normal scripted. person. Yeah. Yeah, right. I just, um, yeah, of course, right. If you're bothered by swearing and stuff like that, well, whatever. And there's also guns problem. in this. 
The Fratellis have guns. Well, yeah, it's a movie. Guns are in movie. <laughs> well, that's why it sort of works better for like older kids, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like E.T. as well is another great example from the 80s of ki- movies that's perfect for this age group. Yeah. But they're all about boys. I would love to see I a movie. I was going to say that. I was about to say, where's the girls' own adventure? Because the reason that they, they are, of course, is because they're all made by the guys. By men. Because directors are all men and most of the writers are men. Yeah, exactly. And they're all made for but this there are, in nostalgic fact, thing. There are, of course, girls' own adventures things like Harriet the Spy, which actually was made into a movie with Michelle Trachtenberg from Buffy. Yeah. But there are Girls' Own Adventures because I read a lot of them when I was a girl. It has Rosie O'Donnell in it and I remember I said once um, this came out before she did. (laughs) Oh, dear. That's my main memory of that. Um, Nim's Island. Is it Nim's Island? Yeah, yeah, that's Yeah, that's another one. But they don't tend to do as well. But they also don't tend to be as, I don't know, it's like they don't care as much about them. Right. It kind of comes back to that systemic issue of women directors not you know, getting through and making these, being able to make these big mm. movies, to have these budgets, to have these. And it would be really nice to see a, a girl's own adventure or just to, even like if it was a little more mixed gender. But of course, when you are that age, you do tend to hang out separately. Yeah. The thing about the Goonies that work so well is like the, they have the two girls there as well. Yeah. But they're older because they're friends. Like, With so the brother, Brand yeah. is interested in Andy and then and yeah. then Andy's best friend Actually, is. Actually, I really like how that they do Steph. that. We kind of uh, alluded to this earlier, but the two girls, um, Martha Plimpton, and uh, dressed in like hipster perfection. She would have been, <laughs> ge- she's like dressed to be geeky at the time, but you look at her now and like that's just like hipster perfection. This short hair my and glasses, these big I ugly lost glasses. My glasses. And. Her outfit is so daggy. It's fantastic. But anyway, the older kids are no more sensible than the younger kids once they're in the thick of this adventure. Like they aren't any smarter or any better and they don't necessarily know what's going on either. But they're also real characters. And Steph, interestingly, is not actually defined by her specific relationship with anyone. So she also knows Mouth. Yep. And they have this sort of bickering thing going on. Yeah, yeah. But she's not actually defined by a relationship with any of the guys. She's just there because she's Andy's friend. Yep. So that kind of – I like that. And I like that those girls are like they, – yeah. they're real characters too. Because you start too. out and you almost get this vibe that these two girls are like babysitting. Mm. But that, And that's what is so great about it. It turns out they're not. Like they're just as stuck as the rest of them and they or each need to use their own particular sets of skills and they each need to work through their problems in different ways. And it's not necessarily that the older kid is has to like babysit the younger ones through it. Sometimes yeah. the younger kids have got to get the older ones through it. It's kind of nice. I like that. Yeah, it's all I, – I like the – yeah. I like the dynamic of the way that all of these kids interact and it's so natural. Like, But it, they must have put in effort to make it this natural. Yeah. But it does feel so natural and that's – why it works like why that's the scene with Mikey telling the story mm. is so captivating is because it's Sean Astin telling the story right and things like that and then you know they they give the kids the and opportunity in real kid-like ways as well and because he forgets things and he's like oh yeah and by the way yeah just how you tell a story in real life yeah none of us actually start from the top and get into the beginning get to the end most people actually mess it up somewhere along the way and are like oh wait oh I forgot to tell you this bit was a thing and speaking of um when I was talking about the anecdotes as well at the end of the movie you see all of their families come up and most of them are the real kids families oh. so the reason why chunk looks so much like the rest of his family is because that's really that his parents and his sister um, and and jeff cohen also who played chunk he's now a lawyer um, uh, yes that's right yeah but he um voted to have dominoes in you know when he holds up the dominoes pizza box yeah yeah, yeah. they were gonna have somebody else but they didn't let them use it and he was like let's use dominoes pizza and i like the fact that like the kids kind of got to influence the way that the story went. Right. So there was the key story where he 
um, with him saying how he was going to swear in the movie and all that sort of stuff is like yeah. the kids got to – they had this agency in making it as well, it's, which is what helps it feel so real. It respects the young people and children as people. Yeah. They're, but also the adults are completely useless. No, they're not. They're just – They're just adults and they're, it's kind of an – because, of course, that age is where you start to learn that adults are just as flawed as you are and mm. they don't know everything and they can't always solve every problem and – and they're just people like so of course it's perfect for that age group yeah and there's other the music is great i love that music that theme music is just mm. so like sticks it's in your head it's got a cindy lauper theme we didn't even get cindy to lauper. the cindy lauper theme song we went to see her and she sang it and i was so happy <laughs> that was so much fun but yeah i love that song that's yeah. a great song and there's a video have you seen the music video for it i haven't no there's a music video that has like a whole bunch of pirates and I think it has Andre the Giant in it and they used all the sets uh. from the movie so they went through the sets and did the song and there's a whole story about like she's in her mom and pop's diner and then they find a hole in the back and they find the map and they go to the treasure and then all the mm. kids are in it as well um, back well, in the day when they used to do that sort of thing you know what as a like as my homework for this episode I'm going to find the video and link to it in the show notes so okay. everybody can look at it yeah that was it's a great the video. song is it's called so Goonies fun. Never Say Die right no Goonies oh. are good enough. But yeah, the other thing I want to talk about yeah. is it's really, I think applying a modern eye to this movie is not the best idea ever. Yeah. Um, mostly because of the sloth storyline. Uh-huh. Because really the sloth storyline is about how you shouldn't judge people based on like their appearances. Yeah. And the fact that they might seem different. Because sloth is really yep. disabled, clearly yeah. very badly disabled. and and But he makes he's a good guy and he, right. Chunk makes friends with him and it turns out – and he ends up saving them all and right. his family treated him really badly. Mm-hmm. And he saves them anyway. So he's this, like, really sort of great yeah. character. From a modern perspective, it looks kind of gross and pedophilic. Really? <laughs> or pedophilia-ish. You know, I never even – came up with I didn't even think of that well because of the way that they interact there's like kissing and hugging and stuff I would never have picked up on that but that's the thing is like that I think I and I didn't see this till I was an adult it didn't even cross my mind yeah I don't think it should no I think but I have seen see, people I thought who you were gonna say that. something about it what it says about disability or being well, ableist see, or I didn't think it was ableist or, though because no, it's no, no. such a positive story like he's such a positive character right he helps them um and he is and also it's like a don't judge people exactly what you their perceived abilities are or what they you perceive they look like yeah and that's it's a great story that's why i was wondering where you were going with the modern eye thing okay it's more the um the uncomfortable like because i mean i've heard people talk about that and i'm like but that's not what it is at all and and wouldn't have even i don't think they would be i don't think they would do that now have a friendship between a small boy no I, a, uh, a friendship specifically with kissing and hugging and because it's because chunk um sloth kisses chunk oh, at really? one point but it's not sexual obviously no. No. he does he picks him up oh right. yeah no no sorry i didn't know i believe you i'm just <laughs> oh. like no it's not sexual at all no exactly and it's no, it, you shouldn't it's... read it that way and it's and no. that kind of i think undersells how important that part of the story is because mm. he becomes a goonie yeah. He becomes like one of them. Yeah. That's right. And it's all, and it's also of course like Chunk has to go out and stand on his own two feet and And Chunk ends up saving Sloth and mm. he's like, You're my friend and like looking yeah. after him. Yeah. And I like how Chunk gets separated from everybody and has his own storyline and yeah, it's he's good. so funny. 
He really is. But um, then to me, he's also the most relatable character because I'm scared of everything. And I'm always, when I was the kid, he was like, guys, we shouldn't do this. No, this is really about a, such typical. I didn't bring a snack with me. <laughs> I, and I wasn't so concerned about snacks. I know, I, but I love that part of him. Yeah, I know. I'm sure. I like. There's a little bit of actually. That's a little bit that sits uncomfortably with oh a god, sort of modern, I'm so depressed. Modern sensibility is that like that the fat kid eats a lot. That's kind of that that kind of gets grates on me a little bit. Yeah, I, I can actually relate. I could, but I relate to that being hungry I relate all to the time. The, no, like because he is hungry. Like I, I relate to him wanting to, and he when he's depressed he wants to eat, and when he's nervous he wants to eat. I get that. Yeah, I get that too. But it's <laughs> it's always like the fat person's always eating. No, I understand ha, ha, ha. that problem. Like everyone emotional eats or whatever it's, I know. And, but they're like oh no there's a fat kid we must make him eat emotionally and there was this there's this comment that he made about how in like mm. in that time they they always put the kid in like plaid pants or a hawaiian shirt and yeah. this one they put him in <laughs> both, <laughs> both. <laughs> but he's yeah. also they also he has other things to him as well right. he's also the clumsy one and oh, and, and and like i said I, I relate to being the scared one because yeah. i was always like oh no we have to obey the rules and we have to do this and oh we can't be naughty and we shouldn't <laughs> and i'm scared of everything and we're like just overly anxious about going in places we shouldn't and things like that so i really relate to chunk but then he most finds of all. his courage and that's right and that's and that's the thing like he has to go off and find his courage and do his thing and stand up for himself and that's his journey. I that's have a really feeling sweet. that Chunk is also the the author stand-in in a lot of ways because yeah. um, he's the one who makes up stories. Mm. So he's talking, he's always making up stories about how, he and then there's well an be. early story in it about how Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson came over to his house to use the bathroom and of course Michael Jackson was on the set of this movie for a lot of the movie. Yeah. Why? Because he liked the story. Oh and- God, I don't even want to go in. I um, don't think that's I don't no. think that's why because it was it was like he was friends with Steven Spielberg or something and oh, so he right. was around and he was shooting near there for a music video so he was around oh, on set a okay, lot. Okay. It's not I mean the Corey Feldman says that in the commentary it was like oh it's so weird that he was hanging out with little kids but I think it was for different reasons to yeah, that. Okay, um, I, yeah, I don't want. He just happened to be around and so he came okay, to the set. Okay. Yeah, right. Um, but I just like, give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, but there's a story that's written into the script about how he Michael Jackson came over to his house to use the bathroom and he says <laughs> okay Michael Jackson didn't come over to my house to use the bathroom but his sister did (laughs) and there's a whole like five minute section early on in the movie dedicated to a penis joke too like when they break the statue and they have the little because you missed that this time but they break the statue and they have the little penis bit and they're trying to put it back on the statue (laughs) and they put it on upside down and he's like and i think it's chunk um i mean mouth who says if they made it like that we'd all be pissing in our faces Also, fun fact, there's yeah. a cameo from Stephen King in this movie. Yes, I saw. Yeah. I noticed that. And also, the other guy was the director. Okay, yeah, because I hadn't, I don't think I remember the Stephen King cameo from, like, we actually came in right on the Stephen King cameo or thereabouts, and I was like, oh my God, it's, he's like, we? very close to. It's right at the end. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> I No, there's a Steve. I thought there was Stephen King cameo was right at the beginning. No, it's right at the end. Um, the guy who says, hi, Mikey, isn't that? No, that's his dad. Oh. <laughs> that's not Stephen King. That's the guy who plays his dad. Right. Um, Steve, the the Stephen glasses. King. Stephen King's at the end on the beach. There's two guys on the beach, yeah. and they go, "Oh, aren't they? The, aren't they those goobers or something?" Right. That's Stephen King and the director Dick Donner. Oh, awesome. He does kind of look like him actually. Now that I think about it. Yeah, that's why I thought it was Stephen King. I was like, "Oh, yeah, that that could be just Stephen King thirty years ago." That's roughly right. No. Yeah. Mm. But he does kind of look like him. But no, Stephen King has a cameo in later in mm. the movie. It really is just a whole bunch of people involved in this yeah and also i mean stephen king wrote stand by me 
I guess a lot of his stuff was getting made into movies in the eighties. I mean, it still is. Like, there's so many he, Stephen King. Do you know why movies? Why he sells his the rights to his books for like a dollar to like young up and coming filmmakers? Oh, he he he's like, yeah, go for it, make a movie out of my book. How good is that? I know he's a real Stephen you know, King is just generally I have an great. Idea. <laughs> now I want to like buy the rights to something and make it. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, he does that. He he yeah. just says, um, if you have a good idea, then go for it. Oh, nice. Um, and that's why there's so many Stephen King adaptations. And I think he's one of those authors who is like, well, I have my work and I know what that is. Mm. But then, you know, you can go. He doesn't like The Shining, though. Oh, uh, the film. Yeah, yeah, okay. He doesn't like that. Well, The Shining, the film, is as much a Stanley Kubrick thing as it is yes. a Stephen King thing. And I suppose that's why. Yeah. yeah. Which I kind of get, but it is a great movie. Mm. But yeah, Stephen King also said something. He was the one who has the quote about Harry Potter where he's like, Harry Potter is about the importance of friendship and and, um, responsibility and Twilight is about um, how great it is to have a boyfriend. Mm. Very similar to what um, Joss Whedon said about it, even though Joss Whedon's not my good books this week. But (laughs) Why not? Oh, the whole, oh, we need to rebrand feminism speech. Oh, Oh, God, Joss, no. We've got slightly off topic. Is there anything else you want to say about The Goonies before I wrap it up? I, I just loved it so much that one of the reasons, my, one of my other favourite movies, Lord of the Rings, I got into that really early, was because Sean Astin was cast in it. Yeah. Um, more than anything else. And then I keep thinking of all these quotes from the commentary where he talks about how Pop Aston came and, Pop Gomez, they call him Pop Gomez, came and visited yeah. on the set because he played Gomez Adams. His Sean Astin's stepfather played Gomez Adams. Sorry. Well, Sean. John Astin is his stepfather. Right. So he... I mean, he is technically his stepfather, but he acts like he's the guy who he calls him his last dad. Name he has, yeah. Um, his mother so, is yeah. Patty Duke. So J- John Aston, who was his stepfather, was Gomez Adams. Yeah, that's where you're going and with Sean that story. Aston. Just for the people who are trying to keep up at home. And he has a little brother called Mackenzie Aston. He's mm-hmm. unlost. I don't know what else to say about it except that I really, really love it. Um, and I feel like there's so many other things that I could say about it, but I haven't. Yeah, can't remember any of them now. No, that's all good. And I, I guess favorite films are difficult because there's so much memory and they come to you at the right time in your life. And there's so many things tied up in why they're your favorite film. That well, it's funny. It just, it's I, like a part of you. It's funny because um, our friend Rowan is a really big Goonies fan. Yes. And, um, and she saw it when she was little. And most of the people I know who love it saw it when they were around the same age as the kids in it. Yeah. I didn't see it until a few years later. But I think it's just that I really, how to say this in a way that doesn't sound bad, I like kids' movies a lot. I connect with I, – I mean, I'm a teacher and I've worked with kids a lot, so I think there's a different sort of sensation for me with kids' movies. Right. Or it's different – I have a different feel for kids' movies, and so I appreciate really good ones, especially when, you know, there's a movie that you can show to certain age groups and stuff, and it's a decent kids' movie, and it's fun, and mm. it's fun for adults as well and stuff. I don't know how much fun Goonies is for adults. I don't really know that many people who came to it as adults. Well, you're going to see in a minute when I give it three stars. Ugh. So it makes me so sad. I, I think it's well. Then fine. you should talk about it because I all I've been doing is ranting about it. Right? No, I know. I've, it's your birthday episode. Well, I think it's a fine film. Like it's like you say, beautifully put together. The uh, it's quite good. But I find it it's found it difficult to access because I think I saw it. I saw it actually. I can tell you when we saw it for the first time because I saw it the first time on the big screen when Electric Shadows was closing down. Mm. And again, we've seen it at the big, on the big screen at what is now Palace Electric, which is, I think, what it all morphed into in the end. Yeah, so I just found it difficult to access. Everything sort of happens so fast and scoots right by you and you don't you miss lines everywhere and I just found it, yeah. So I think I can 
I think I appreciated it more on this viewing because because I missed all the introduction stuff. I got to see the guts of the story, and the guts of the story plays out really well. And I, I, yeah, so it's I feel like it's a beautifully done film. It's perfectly made and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I just I don't connect with it. I don't love it. I didn't see it at the right time. So that's that's really it. Yeah, so that, I, I just it, think really. it's weird that I made it, managed to make a connection with it because I didn't see it till I was sixteen. Hmm. Um, I never and you you fall for different things and. And God knows I didn't get into Harry Potter till I was 18. So Yeah, exactly. This, sometimes Harry you, Potter, you just get into age. things at whatever age you get into them. But for, for whatever reason, this isn't, isn't something that I've ever really gotten into. But I can, you know, I, I appreciate it enough and I can see, I can, I can see the, um, the beautiful structure of it and, and the, the performances they got out of these kids and just how many good things it has going for it. I, yeah, it's just not something I love. But yeah. That okay. would be why. So I don't. I guess I don't really need to ask. But star rating five. Okay, cool. Anyway, <laughs> how can I rate it anything else? No, I, mean, I, I get it. It's impossible fine. for me. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you want to know anything more about this show or read our show notes, you can do that on our website, which is silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of any of the movies that she watches, you can do that on her blog, which is silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us or request a movie or whatever else, uh, probably the easiest place to do that is on Facebook where you can like our page or on Twitter where you can tweet at us at screen underscore queens. You can also come out and hang with us on Tumblr where we do uh, mostly nerdy stuff, (laughs) which is tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.